uh, uh, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. No problem. I want to get into these tiny homes topics, right? Because tiny homes is becoming very popular nowadays. And I think it's going to be a very lucrative type of investment that people can make right directly within their backyard. Garden suites have been approved by the city of Toronto. Laneway suites have been around for some time. I know that a lot of uh, municipalities have also adopted for, for secondary dwellings or, or tiny homes up to a certain square footage or bylaw restrictions that's involved in there. And I wanted to kind of really get you onto the show because I think with the real estate market the way it is right now and where we are today, which I definitely think will change, but with the rates being so high and people struggling to now pay those mortgage payments and for young millennials or, or first-time home buyers that are looking to get into the market, that really can't afford to get into the market now because we've lost that market based on the interest rates today. So first and foremost, how did you start in the business and what made you want in to, get, to get into tiny homes? So in 2016, I started Nufor. Uh, back then, I started with the vision of building homes that were more modular and optimized because I didn't really like the stick building process. So think, for example, uh, shipping containers and modular construction. I quickly found out that, you know, the most expensive thing is labor. So that wasn't such a great idea. So we had gotten into construction <laughs> and um, a lot of the opportunity that was available at the time because mm -hmm. we were focusing in the Hamilton area was just simple renovations. People were doing the Burr method back then. So they put a little bit of work in and then uh, they reappraised the property, they refinanced, they pulled the money out and then they rent it. So we sort of went where the market was. Right now, the Burr method doesn't really work because the rates are so high. Correct. So the new value creation that's there uh, since the bill was passed, Bill 23 was passed, mm -hmm. was you can build up to four units on any residential uh, property without the need for rezoning. So that means something different in each municipality. But at least from a zoning standpoint, you don't have to rezone anything. Okay, if it comes to these type of properties. So you can build up to four residential units on that one property. Yes, you Correct. can go up to four. Up no. to four. Correct. Every municipality is going to have different requirements that they abide by. So I'll give the range. I don't know, you know, off the cuff for every single municipality, but the range is 800 square feet is the absolute maximum. You can build this secondary dwelling, this garden suite, this ADU. And the bare minimum, I believe, is Brampton, which is 374 square feet. So right. 800 square feet, you could do a lot of different things versus 374 square feet because 800 square feet, you can do a two-story, you know, you can obviously always add a basement and then 374 square feet, you're a bit more limited. Obviously, you're just going to do one level at that point. It doesn't justify the cost. You're all above grade at that point. Yes. And I just want to simplify that, right? Because this new, this new bylaw just came out in the city of Vaughan. I think they announced it about a month ago where you can go up to four, four, four units on, on one residential property itself. And my thing is, and I just want people to understand the clarity to that. It's is if I have a house on on my property, and then there's a rear detached garage within the back of that, I can reconvert that garage, which is what you do, into a residential property if I wanted to. Correct. That's correct. Can I put two of those properties on that one lot, In, not including the residential property that you currently have? Do you know? So my understanding, no. Okay. Now, that being said, I'm not entirely sure if there's little workarounds that are available, but the intent is to only be able to add one. So, so the, four, the four units allowed would be, I guess, if there was a, a vacant plot of land, I would be able to build just four units on that one, on that one zoned property for residential, correct? Correct, yeah. I got it. 
That's if it's new build, right? Yeah. The bigger opportunity is the retrofit because you're buying things at a bit of a discount, right? It's always more expensive if you're doing new build, right? Because everything is from scratch. You're arranging the financing. It's private lending, high interest, things like that. There's obviously development charges and things that are associated with new build that you don't get in a renovation. So the, I would say the sweet spot is, in my opinion, three units where you're buying a home that has uh, a garage in the back, for example, mm -hmm. and you convert the home into two units, maybe mm -hmm. a main floor second, that's one unit, and then the basement's another unit, and then you do the accessory dwelling unit in the back. Yeah, sometimes you can find those, uh, uh, and you'll see them quite a bit, the three-story towns too as well, where um, or, or the semis where... They've converted, and, and sometimes even when when the basements are low, they underpin them, so they dig it out. You know, increases the the height of the basement. They get one tenant in the basement, uh, another tenant on the main floor, and then another tenant on on the on the third level, and then and then one in the rear of the garage. And sometimes you're getting two in the rear of the garage, but I think that's that's pushing pushing the limits of there because the the scope or the or the bylaw setbacks. Uh, for the size wise, it's going to be tough to get two two dwellings on on 800 square feet allowance, in my opinion. But you know, these are opportunities for people that have small kids that can't afford to get into the market because things are just so expensive right now that if you if you had a, a, a rear lane property or a, a, a garage within the back that has its own private entrance to the back of that property, you can now have, you know, one of your kids live within the back um, if you needed to. And then eventually if they, they want to save enough money to, to get on their own, use that as a, as a secondary source of income for, for them, right? Well, right now, especially if you're a family or a young couple or someone with, you know, maybe two young kids or something of that sort where you actually have a family that's uh, starting up, this is an excellent opportunity because the way the market is going is it's going towards generational living. Think of it as duplexes, triplexes, but are built with the intention that one family is going to be living. Correct. And that's the way of the future. Yeah. Co correct. Yeah. So if, if you're looking to jump on a trend early, generational living is the way to go. And that structure in the back, if you have elderly parents, for example, you know, maybe the, the, the sleep time or, or something isn't coordinated with, with the rest of the, the family, they have a full home for themselves in the back. Mm -hmm. And then you have another home, which is the main property. Mm -hmm. And then when the kids get older, they can move downstairs type of thing. So you have still one property, but you have three different generations living in it. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So how's business for you then overall? Business is good. Uh, thankfully, we're, we're very lucky. Uh, we're very lucky because we're number one in a great market and we have a great team and then we have a great group of clients and subcontractors. So we just happen to be in, I think, a perfect space. So business has been quite good for us. So what made you just want to kind of specialize? Because I think the majority of your specialized is, is converting these garages into tiny homes, is it not? You know what? A lot of people think that because that's a trendy topic. So that gets the most views, right. that gets the most talked about and, and, and all that stuff as well. So when we got called into CHCH um, Morning Live, what they did is they had us talk about the tiny homes. And um, we had a, uh, a pilot episode that we shot. The pilot episode was also about the tiny home and we're looking to uh, sell that to a network to produce a show about it. Everybody wants to talk about tiny homes. So people always think that we just strictly specialize in that. We have a variety of different projects, but most people aren't interested in hearing about them because they're renovations, new builds, second story additions, rear additions, and commercial. There's a lot of people that do that stuff, but mm -hmm. sometimes the boring bread and butter is what keeps things going. But the trendy hot topic that we are definitely doing a ton of right now, and there's more than enough interest is tiny homes. What's the process like? So if somebody's listening to the show and they got, they got a, a, a garage within the back, 
uh, and they want to reconvert that into a garden suite. Um, and you find a lot of them in the city of Toronto. There are some locally in, in, in Vaughan where, where we live, but not too many. Like back in the day, it was very popular, uh, especially through through in the city of Toronto itself. If somebody wanted to do it, what's the process like? Do you take it from, from beginning to end? You go and apply for the permits. You get the engineers involved. You look at looking at design aspects and all that stuff. Is you guys taking it over from the beginning to the end? Correct. So step one, you call us, right? Yep. Right when you call us, we're going to schedule a call, and then we're going to sit and we're going to qualify the property to make sure that you actually can do it and to make sure what you can realistically build. It's very different for you, for example, if you have $100,000 saved, you know, and your expectation is you're going to build a two-story new build with a walkout basement, you know, you're not going to be able to do that for that cost versus you might have something that's existing that you're just retrofitting. At that point, it's plenty. So step one, you would get on a call with us. We would qualify the space, see what you can do, give you some rough costs. If you think that this is something you want to go forward with, then uh, we will start the design for you. So there's a fee for the design. And depending on the property, it's anywhere from uh, call it four to seven or eight thousand dollars. And then you pay that in the design fee. You go back and forth with design. You go back with the city. You get approved building permit. Once you have the approved building permit, then you know exactly what you're building and we can get started. But the first step is you got to call to sort of qualify. It to Just to qualify, space. yeah. Yes. Um, and majority of your work right now is in Hamilton, but you have branched out. You do work, I guess, through throughout the GTA as well. Um, you guys pretty much go everywhere uh, at this point in time. Um, most of the clientele that you're seeing right now, is it from the investor uh, side of things or more the end user looking to convert these things for their kids? Uh, you know, uh, uh, just, just ballpark figures here. I would say right now it's split pretty even between the two. Um, here's why, because it's still so new in the market that only the forward thinkers are the ones that are taking action. And those exist both in homeowners and in investors. So we're, we've been seeing a bit of both. And I think this is a great opportunity for those that, you know, want that secondary income or, or, or you know, are, are struggling right now. And there's a lot of people in this market that are struggling that people don't realize um, and, and the difficulties of making these payments every single month. And and I uh, there are simple financing ways to help through the process. People say, oh, I don't have enough money. You know, uh, things are really tight for me. But if we look at, at the, the scope of the opportunity that it will provide you based on the rental income that you're going to generate from that, Sometimes it's better off to even work into an LC or, or your home equity line of credit if you had to to go, you know, build it out and start generating that extra income to help you, you know, put down because you'll probably, you'll, you know, and I'm just going to I'm going to throw some rough figures. Let's say you had somebody had to go take an LC on the property, you know, at, at, at the current rates that they are right now uh, at one hundred thousand dollars. But it's going to help you generate five thousand dollars of income every single month. It's gonna it's gonna be enough money to cover that LC line and plus put additional rental funds towards your current mortgage payment, yeah. right? And these are the benefits of of doing these little tiny homes within the rear of the property that that, and it creates so much value, yeah. right? How much more value are you gonna be creating to your property knowing that you you actually have this X amount of space that's now livable space? Mm-hmm. It's pretty big. It's pretty huge, right? And I think I think people should really start taking advantage of it. I know that I'm gonna be looking at properties like this in the future. You're here in my Nobleton location. I was just telling you about the barn that we got in the yeah. back that we want to convert into that, right? Yeah. And and th- this is going to be great. Um, what struggles do you face when working in, in such small spaces? Like, you know, it, it, it can't be very easy. Like machinery, tight spaces, especially in the city of Toronto where, where, where setbacks, you know, driveway to driveways are touching, you know, a lot of times. 
What type of struggles do you do you find that you're that you're going through right now? There's a few that come to mind when it comes to constructability. Number one, like you said, the size of the lot sometimes a little bit tighter, so you have uh, more restrictions to what type of equipment and machinery you can bring back there. So sometimes that forces you to do things by hand. Obviously, that takes way more time and is way more labor intensive. Nobody wants that, so that's one of the issues. Um, in Hamilton, we have a unique issue where we actually have an entire area that's up the mountain. So anything below, call it 18 inches or maximum two feet, is bedrock. So got you, you got to sit there and you got to chip at it. You can't actually dig it. And if you can't do that by machine, that's an absolute nightmare to do by hand. So sometimes you come across those where you have to run the utilities to a garden suite that's up the mountain, and then you got to chip through bedrock. So wow. That's another big issue. You need some good manpower for that. <laughs> <laughs> it moves a lot slower than you think, I'll tell you that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you know, when, you, when you're when you chipping at that, uh, I can understand that it can be tedious. Big time. And, and, uh, and uh, man, the, the work effort that it's going to take to get that out is pretty tough. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the construction industry uh, back in the day. Uh, so I've seen a lot of it. I think the toughest job that I looked at you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, when I walked up by, I, would, I drove by them to serve them coffee because I was in the coffee drink business. And when it was their break, I would serve them all the food, whatever they needed. It was the forming guys, the guys doing the basements, man. When they had to carry those planks back then, there were planks that they had to put mm. that would create the walls to pour the concrete inside. Mm. And these things were, man, they got to be about 100, over 100 pounds. Mm. And these guys would just carry them right to their back and just kind of process you know and so i remember I, I respect hard work like that man hard labor it's tough you know so but just wanted to, do, to run you a quick funny story on that but um listen you have the you need to have the right team members on your team right and and, and having the right team members are a very fundamental uh perspective of somebody's business do you dabble in it your, yourself too as well you 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 is your is your team involved in in a in a lot of the the process to develop these these tiny homes yeah, well, we do all of these tiny homes. Are you talking from a constructability standpoint or design? Or yeah, design and constructability standpoint. We do all of that, yes, we do all of that. And all the construction we do in-house too. So we have a team of about 20 people, and then that's between the office and in the field. And then we take on... So you have in-house engineers or architects within that, or you, you outsource in that? architect, we sub out. You sub out, yeah. It's the exact same architect that we always use. So we don't use any of the process where, like, we're relationship-built business. So we don't do anything where, for example, you're going out to the open market for three quotes. It's the designer, and we got fixed fees, we know exactly what we're doing, and then we're working only with them. So the designer is subbed out. But then, um, it's, but it's the same designer we always work with. Right. And the construction is all in-house. Okay. What's the average cost to build one today? I know things are expensive, man, and that's why I'm at, and I think there's going to be a lot of listeners right now to say, hey, you know, wondering kind of more or less what it's going to take to get one of these up. You know, only very, uh, are we talking new build or retrofit? Uh, I think majority would be retrofit, would it not? Right. So would you consider that a new build? Because because no. fundamentally you're not going, you're not, you're not excavating to do a basement, Correct. right? You're doing everything above grade. New build is, it's a vacant lot, like vacant, vacant, or you're tearing down the whole thing. Right. Okay. But if there's an exist, let's talk about an existing garage then. Existing. That can go anywhere from, I would say a um, hundred, and I'm talking dollars, not per square foot, 120,000 mm -hmm. to 180,000. Now, why did I give dollar figures and not per square foot costs? Right. Because the square foot is just so small that the per square foot number gets out of whack when it's that small. No matter what you do, whether the garage is 
300 square feet or 400 or 600, you're still putting in a kitchen. You're still putting in a bathroom. And those are sort of lump sum costs. True. That's why the square foot. It's hard to break it down on a square foot. Yeah. It's much better to actually think about it in terms of dollars. So think of 120. You know, you could do it for a little bit. Like, can it be done for 110? Yes. Just pick a little bit cheaper finishes, right? 110 to about 180 for a full retrofit. So let's say you got a, a, a garage that, that was made out of sheet metal. Back in the day, sheet metal was pretty big, right? And a lot of people are using that. Uh, are you guys now using the existing walls or are you expanding from that, that original footprint, right? Okay. Uh, you know, because again, that would be considered new built at that point too, right? Because how much of that are you really going to use from that existing garage? The worst case they'll make you do is rip it back to the studs and just redo the siding and then obviously all the interior as well. They're not going to tell you to take down the whole thing, right? The sheet metal, if you're talking about sort of like the decking or the corrugated metal, was Correct. installed on top of uh, the sheathing, which is then on st- in- installed on top of the studs, right? They'll probably make you just remove the uh, uh, the corrugated metal or that type of siding and then redo it with a layer of rigid insulation or something like that. That depends on the municipality and it also changes. So we've done garden suites both ways in Hamilton. And then the later one we've done, they're like, oh, well, you know, we've changed the bylaws. You're not got to put up sidings, got to have this insulation and all this stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You guys got to follow these guys on Instagram. I follow these guys. That's what really attracted to me. These guys, uh, new four is, is uh, just, it's at new four. Uh, you'll find yeah. them pretty easy, you guys. I, I was looking at you guys and then I was like, I was thinking about this tiny garage within my back. And then we started following like the work that you've done. Some of the incredible shit that was put together. I'm like, how the fuck did they even consider thinking about something like that? You know what I mean? Which was pretty cool, and I and, and I if, if people are listening to the show, you really gotta uh, go follow you guys. There's some pretty cool videos of some pretty wonderful things that you guys done there, and made some pretty uh, some clients pretty happy for sure. Yeah, we like to highlight our work because uh, we like to think that it's all challenging, and it is. Working with the existing is not easy because it's it it stops you from that kind of cookie cutter mentality. Every job you really got to think about how it's supposed to come together, what the client's needs are and make sure that you're still attending to it. So we really show that on social media. So we put a lot of effort in that so people can obviously see the work we do as well. And and, and I think utilities are a big a big process there. I think that that to me would be if I was in the business would be one of the biggest obstacles, right? How do you get gas run to the property, you know, the, the electricity you know what happens if there's there's you know you, you need toilets, right? So now you got to connect to the to the main sewer sewer mains, right? To the to the I guess you connect them to the house or or, or you actually, go direct. We do connect it to the house. You can connect it straight to the road, but there's not really any advantage to do that. Number one is because at that point a lot of the uh, uh, service upgrades are not going to fall under uh, city grants. So you're going to have to end up paying for things like curb cuts and road work with city contractors. So the project price ends up going up, you know, on average substantially 20, 20 to $25,000 versus if you're connecting to the house versus to the road. And given that you can't sever, you know, th- these lots, then there's really no benefit to connecting to the road. There isn't. It's just the servicing now. You can still set it up on separate, on, on separate meters yes. if somebody wanted to. Yes, we do them with separate meters too. They'll put the meters on the house though. They'll put the meters on the house. Yes, and the panel inside the new... Uh, uh, the new dwelling, yeah. Correct. That's pretty cool. Um, have you ever seen the process where somebody's... You, you've dug out a basement? Yes. You do basements a yes. lot too as well? Yes. Yeah, so you but work out... for new because builds, usually not existing, right? No, I, I'm saying not existing. Uh, so there's an existing structure. Because my, yeah, there's an existing structure. I want to I change... I want to convert this this uh, garage in the back of my property. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has, it's, it's just a con- concrete 
flooring on top of uh of top of the land but i want to go deeper is it possible you think i think the amount of time and planning and logistics that you're gonna spend is a lot more than you tearing it down and redoing it yeah okay okay because really all you're saving is the walls right above it what are some of the misconceptions that you hear about tiny homes that people should know about I think they think that it's a lot simpler than, than it is. It's just a matter of getting this uh, sort of square box and popping it in place. It's not like that because there's a lot of uh, uh, hoops that you need to jump through uh, from city requirements and bylaw and permitting. So people always think it's a lot simpler than it is because it does look simple. So mm-hmm. I, I don't blame them. It just looks like a small sort of house and looks fairly easy to build. You just put up walls and you finish it the same way you finish the basement. But that's not true because the tiny homes or the uh, garden suites are held to the same standard as a new build home. So, for example, when you're finishing your basement, you know, odds are your uh, studs are two by four. So you fill that with whatever insulation fits in that cavity, R14, something like that. In a garden suite, it's not. It's got to go with the new build standard, which is R22. That makes it a two by six wall. So, you know, that's a very small distinction. But it makes a big difference because that applies to the entire structure. It's got to be with today's standard. So today, Roof trusses. Trusses too, correct. Today, you, you choose to finish your basement and you want to put some new floors in. What do you do? You install floors right on the slab. Or if you want, you really want to go over, uh, then you can put some subfloor in if you have the headroom. In the garden suite, it's not like that. You've got to have R5 rigid insulation. So if the existing slab doesn't have any, you've got to put it on top. Mm-hmm. Right? But then you can't install flooring on top of that. So now you need a subfloor on top of the rigid, and then you go with the vinyl. But at that point, all your doors are off, so now you got to raise the headers. So it's like little details that make it a little bit more challenging than it should be. So in a practical sense, it's probably a lot easier to build, but with the hoops you have to jump through with the city and actually getting it built properly, it's more labor-intensive and it's more technical than that. And rightfully so, because at the end of the day, you're getting something that's a performance of a new build. There are there is a product out there though I believe that you can where they manufacture the tiny home within within a factory or within their yard or something like that and I've seen uh, there was a show I don't know if it was HGTV I was watching it was called Tiny Homes and they were getting they were getting those those uh, transport containers mm-hmm. and reconverting those into tiny homes too as well you think that some way I- in the near future that 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 would be uh, something that that the city would develop I think it's possible. I think it's going to take some time, but I think it's possible that if a company went out there and said, we want to focus all our energy towards creating these, let's call it 10, 15 different prototypes, taking them to every single municipality to get them all approved ahead of time. And then if people choose to build them, they're already approved without having to go through a review process. Pretty smart. I think that's a good opportunity. That's pretty cool. And that's possible. Nice. Um, at the end of your YouTube episode title, Tiny Homes, Garage Editions, you got a call about turning a shipping container into a tiny home. And we talked a little bit about this. Is that a possibility that you and your team are currently working on? Um, have you done any of those uh, in the process? We are waiting for one permit to be approved. It's gone through the second round of comments. It's taken quite some time. I think it's been with the city for over six months right now. And it's in Hamilton, up the mountain area. Uh, we're going to be building a, a container home there as well. So you're doing it right from the beginning, yes. from the scratch. That's pretty cool. That's that's innovative, and, and, and I think it's leading edge, and I think that's why your company is going to have such a great, bright future on it. It's just because you're at the forefront of, of you know, taking it, taking the bull by the horns, as they say, 
and just kind of running with it. And I think I think there's going to be some wonderful opportunities in the real estate market if there's contractors listening to this show. You know, there's enough, you know, it's like real estate, well, not in our industry. There's not enough work to go around right now for everybody, but eventually there will be enough work to go around. And I think it's going to be a big market. Um, you know, the real estate market game right now is 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 at its low, the, the lowest I've seen in 20 years. I've never seen a real estate market this way. And I've been in business for 20 years. And, and right now, I think we're going to end the year on average selling about 60, 63,000 homes sold for, for 2023. What's that? Sorry, just for our curiosity to me. Yeah. What is that compared to the peak? So 63 is right now. Yeah, we haven't seen numbers like this since 2021. So in the peak, we had about 120, 130 souls right within a year. So we're down by 50%, 45 to 50% by half, which is a lot. That's sold. Sold Those are sold units and sold and closed for a one fiscal year. Wow. There's 77,000 members of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Um, That averages out to less than a deal per agent. So, you know, it's that 80-20 rule you know, 20% of, of the top real estate agents or the big teams right now will will continue to uh, transact and, and flourish. Like our numbers of listings um, have never been bigger, uh, thankfully. Uh, and just because of the support and the wonderful team I got behind me. Um, but there are agents that are going to struggle and probably leave the business. And I say there's going to be a big portion of realtors that are going to need to go find secondary work because there is not enough to go around for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're going to be in this for 18 months, mm-hmm. right? I don't see rates coming down. Today is actual, you know, as we're, as we're, we're filming this podcast, um, rates just stayed steady. Mm-hmm. But that's temporarily. I think there's going to be another hike that's going to come within the market. I think people right now are not going to leverage out their LCs or investors are gone, speculators are gone. First-time home buyers can't get approved. Because of the difficulty with the stress test, they got to get approved at 9%. You know how difficult that is for somebody? You got to be showing a lot of income for that, right? Based on your GTS ratios. Um, and, and, and I'm worried a little bit about the market. And, and having you on the show helps people to realize that if, if people have a basement that's vacant right now, right? Is there an opportunity that they can go in there and maybe call your company, service them where we can get them a secondary dwelling, in their home so that they can start generating you know house hacking is a big big factor here so so to encourage people because people don't buy value people buy mortgage rates right and if people can look at wow look at the opportunities of the value that you're going to get within this market but let's look at how we can get you short-term generated income from these markets 12 months 24 months um i think i think having you here on the show will help people to realize hey maybe maybe this is gonna you know get the light bulb to, to flash above my head and say, hey, you know what, maybe I should look at this opportunity, right? And I think there still is because the numbers are so good. If you have an ex- especially if you have an existing garage. So if you have an existing garage, you can convert it for, call it 110000 right? Traditional mortgage these days. Uh, we're going to take the full value. Forget about the down payment for a second. Correct, yeah, so that's fine. The, the 110000 is roughly 900 bucks a month. Might be a little bit more, but call it definitely under a thousand a month. That thing is not renting for less than a thousand a month. It's not. No, absolutely not. You're renting it for, even in the cheapest of all markets, you're renting it for two thousand dollars a month, on average, probably twenty five hundred bucks a month. So, even if if you said okay, well, so it's lucrative, right? So it is. Let's it say is. let's say, and we're gonna get on that. Let's say you. You call your company, you spend $120,000 on yeah. right? And, and you're that now that LC cost is, is 
like you said, on average, a thousand a month. If you're generating four thousand of income from these units, and I'm hearing in the city of Toronto, they're generating that kind of income. Let's say three thousand. You're making an extra two thousand dollars a month, which is an extra. There's twenty four thousand dollars a year that you can be putting towards your current mortgage that you have right now. Correct. And I think a lot of it sometimes uh, revolves what makes people not take action is how high the rates are. People have a tendency right away to, whenever there's an opportunity, the first thing they pay attention to is other person's pockets. How much is the interest on it? How much is this? How much is that? But in doing that, you don't look in your own pockets because, mm -hmm. yes, maybe you're wasting a lot of money on interest. You know what? Odds are, of the $900, maybe even 700 bucks might be interest. But you're making over 1000 so who cares about those 700 And if you're making 1000 and you don't even have access to a line of credit, that's fine. Go private money. There's mm -hmm. still enough in there for you to come out on top. There is. There is. And in this uh, specific opportunity, right? Like, correct. How much more is the private going to cost? $500 more? So instead of, instead of uh, uh, having $700 a month in interest, you have 1200 in interest? Fine. Mm -hmm. You're still making 500 600 And don't forget... Two years down the road, that's a little bit of principal that's been paid down. Yes, it's not much because it's only, call it 600 bucks cash flow plus another 200 principal, but it adds up a little bit. But guess what? In two years, odds are there's someone that sold something just like that and now you have comparables to your home. Your house is worth a lot more. 100%. I, 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 have, a, I have a friend of mine that did it in the city of Toronto. He bought a semi-detached, two semi-detached side by side. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they, they were laneway garages within the rear of the property. He converted each semi into three separate units. The basement, he had crawl space on it, so he dug it out, underpinned it, and, and he increased the height there. And he's generating on each unit, I think it was close to $13,000. Uh, no, sorry, combined $13,000 a month of income on them, which is pretty good income running through that, those properties. A house normally doesn't generate you that type of, of traffic. And I, and I think for, for foreign investors, too, um, as long as as uh, there's a there's a there's a ball law within foreign investors to come in there that uh, that now that they were exempt from buying uh, if it's only one dwelling but if it's a multiple dwelling unit that generates the uh, that generates rental income on it they were then exempt from paying either that foreign that foreign buyer tax at that point in time uh, and I got to look into that really but um, I'm just saying it was the opportunities are, are so so good for somebody that if they're looking to now, because investors are not buying anything right now, so how can they look at to take advantage of these values, but but, but make sure that with these high interest rates that you're going to generate enough cash flow to continue maintaining these properties? And this is what this program is all about: is educating people to say, hey, you know, it, it's never it's never wrong or or late to get into the game. People ask me all the time, you know, depending on their needs, is now the right time to buy? Well values have never i don't think values are going to go down that much more lower than we already are we've hit the bottom of our peak we're down since the spring by maybe 20 percent. opportunities are there when this market does turn around and interest rates do start coming back down things are going to skyrocket things will go you know just as expensive as they were if not more the market always favors people that can hold on for a longer time so correct if you can hold on in this market for at least three more years, you're coming out on top. Yeah, yeah. Steve, is there anything that you want to add um, before we uh, end off? I think you covered it all. Covered it all? <laughs> awesome. Listen, it has been, uh, it has been a pleasure to have you on our show. 
you did a great job. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or, or look at uh, maybe reconverting their their existing garage into a garden suite, yeah. what do they do? You can go to our website, new4.com, or you can just go to us on Instagram. We're super active on there, new4inc, I-N-C, and that's our username. That's pretty cool. Pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming in. Man. Thanks so much for having me. No problem, man.